0: Hello and welcome to the first episode of Prince Track by Track. Uh, I am your host Darren. We're going to be going through all of Prince's songs from 1978 until his death in 2016. Every album released by Prince. Um, I'm not going to cover all the stuff done by The Time or The Family or Jill Jones or Madhouse or Carmen (laughs) Electra. or I could go on for hours any of the other kind of side projects, um, including the, the kind of solo NPG albums, I'm not going to go into all that stuff because, uh, quite frankly, I, I need this to finish at some point um, before the end of the decade. Um, so I'm just going to cover what Prince recorded. Um, and I know that um, you know coming up in a, in a couple of weeks' time is the release of the deluxe version of Purple Rain, which is going to have like lots of extra tracks that weren't released. I'm not going to cover those tracks because... You know, um, Prince put out Purple Rain with nine tracks on. That was the album he wanted people to hear. So uh, that is how I'm going to treat Prince's career. You know, these are the songs that he put out. This is what he wanted people to listen to. Uh, Everything else that was in the vault, he put in the vault for a reason. Um, As great as it's going to be as a Prince fan to hear album after album after album of unreleased (laughs) material for the next decade or so. You know, that was the stuff that Prince put to one side because he didn't want people to be listening to it. At that particular time. so um, And as we get into the stuff from like the 90s and 2000s, uh, you know, we can talk about why Prince had disputes with his record label uh, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, today we're going to be covering the first track, which is called For You, from the album For You. Of note, it is not the number four followed by the letter U. It <laughs> is actually spelt out for you. Um, as with all the tracks on this album, it was recorded in 1977 in the record plant in Saucer Leader in California. Um, Prince then did some overdubs, um, in early 78 at, uh, Sound Labs in Los Angeles. Um, and you know, until he, until we get to like 1987, so until, until like nine years later, Prince would record in various locations, uh, pretty much every album after Sign of the Times was recorded at Paisley Park. Um, but for the moment he was kind of, um, he would either record in, you know, very well established studios, or he, he started using, um, a, a home studio, uh, which I think was just two eight tracks banged next to each other, which is, you know, the the start of um, of him experimenting, um, you know, as we get further into his career. Um, it's just prints on this track. It's a very very short track, just six seconds over a minute, um, and. It's basically just, you know, Prince um, singing some a cappella, And my guest today is Erin Gambril. Hello, Erin. Hello. Um, Before we get into the track, uh, I'm just going to give a little bit of a background as to how Prince arrived at this particular point. Um, He, you know, he was born, uh, his father was John Nelson, uh, a a musician, um, and his mother was a a jazz singer as well. Um, So Prince had, you know, a lot of, um, you know, a lot of music in his household. Uh, when, he, when he was 13, his parents divorced and he moved in with his friend uh, Andre Anderson, uh, later known to us as Andre Simone. Uh, one of the first people, I think, that Prince decided to give a new name to. Um, yeah, something that he would do often with his band members later on. Um, and in fact, uh, there is one very well-known person who basically keeps the name that Prince gave to her. Um, and I mean, Apollonia kept her name. Uh, but uh, Carmen Electra has never gone back to her birth name, so, um, and you know, Prince, while he was at school, he was um, he was an accomplished basketball player, which is something which would surprise anybody who knows that Prince stopped growing at you know exactly five foot, um, or you know five foot three in heels, as he mostly was for the rest <laughs> of his career, um, and you know he he met uh, Jimmy Jam, <laughs> which is. <laughs> I just, I, love, I just love the fact that, that everybody associated with Prince has kind of odd names. But uh, James, James Harris and uh, his friend Terry Lewis, they, they're known as um, Jam and Lewis. They went on later to produce, um, you know, Janet Jackson and Michael Jackson, Boys to Men. You know, they had a, they've got a really good career as producers. But, you know, when they were in Minneapolis, you know, they met Prince. They were impressed. And, um, you know, they, they started kind of working with him. And Prince was in a band uh, called 94 East. Um, he played on a couple of tracks along with Andre Simone and he recorded only one song. Um, and uh, you know, the the guy who, who, you know, was in charge of 94 East years later, he would use this one song as a way to release an entire album and put Prince's name <laughs> quite prominently on it. Uh, something which I think also happened with the Beatles later in their career. Mm-hmm. People were releasing albums where the Beatles did backing vocals and, And, you know, just kind of using the name. Um, Prince, he went into the studio when he was um, when he was like 16 uh, with a guy called Chris Moon, who gets a co-writing credit on this album because he did like a demo track. uh, And he took that to um, a manager in Minneapolis called Owen Husney. um, And he signed Prince and then he used this demo track um, to kind of take it to all the different record labels Um, and Warner Brothers, A&M, Columbia, they all kind of had a bit of a bidding war, and eventually he signed with Warner Brothers. Um, They gave him a three-album deal, and they gave him quite a large advance. Um, And Prince, on this particular album, spent three times that advance just on the first album. Um, You know, there's a reason why Dirty Mind and Controversy sound like they were recorded like in someone's bedroom as demos, because that's pretty much as much money as Prince had left after spending all the money on this uh, particular album. Um, once um, you know, once uh, Warner Brothers released this album, they, they claimed that Prince, first of all, was 18, um, even though he was just about to turn 20. And they also made a big thing about the amount of instruments that he played. Um, And it's worth saying, of course, that any Prince fan knows that, you know, on the back of all the albums, it says produced, arranged, composed and performed by Prince. And that level of control was something that Warner Brothers gave him right from the beginning. Um, Warner Brothers actually have a reputation for being um, an artist led um, record label at the time. And that was something that attracted Prince, you know, to them. And the guy who, you know, who ran Warner Brothers from the 70s through to the kind of mid 90s, he was a big fan of Prince, and he basically would let Prince do whatever he wanted, um, <laughs> which, which is crazy. Can
1: you yeah. imagine giving that much power to a nineteen-year-old?
0: Like, yeah, yeah. It's I, kind of it's weird because like the, you know, the story of Prince is so well established that you think to yourself now, who would give a nineteen-year-old? I think what mm-hmm. the equivalent these days is roughly a million dollars. To make an album, well, to yeah. make three albums, but then he spends it all on the first right, album. Right, right. And then what would you do with that artist? There's no way you'd say, Oh, don't worry, we'll give you the other two albums and you deal. You'd just get rid of them and yeah. you they would never work again. But you know, Prince had such undeniable talent that Warner Brothers backed him fully. You know, the following year after this album came out, you know, Prince uh, you know, he reunited with Andre Simone and um, and Des Dickerson, who later features in in um, in in Purple Rain and um, Dr. Fink, and Bobby Z, and that was his touring band. Um, And the first show that they ever played was at the Capri Theatre on the 5th of January, 1979, and that is the only time that this song was ever performed live.
1: Wow.
0: Uh, Prince, he performed it as, you know, part of a show to kind of do a showcase for the album for Warner Brothers Executives, and Mm -hmm. then he never performed this track live ever again, which I can kind of see why, because it's it's such a simple track but it's a lot of prints you know it's like well, it's seven... a lot of
1: right it's like layering vocals and that's really yeah. hard to pull off live
0: yeah so uh, it's also worth mentioning that Gail Chapman was in that band Gail Chapman achieves notoriety later on because uh, a song on one of the later albums she was morally objected to and so she left the band <laughs> over it uh-huh. um, which led to Lisa Coleman joining the band and obviously you know from there on the rest is history mm-hmm. Um but yeah, so the, the thing is that, you know, having spent so much money, Prince kind of needed to convince the Warner Brothers executives that he, you know, that he had something. And that's why he gave that concert. And then they kind of okayed him to start recording on the second <laughs> album of the three <laughs> album deal. So it was almost like a, you know, a, a concert to kind of save his career at that point. But, right. uh, you know, knowing how, you know, famous um, Prince is, you know, Live, I, it's not surprising that Warner Brothers were like, no, nope, we've got no problem, you know. <laughs> you yeah, know? yeah. Uh, the fact as well that they flew to to you know Minnesota to see this uh, <laughs> talent. That's that's the, that's the kind of level of sway that Prince had. It's uh, the pool you know. of Prince. Yeah, to, to be <laughs> able to convince them and say, look, you know, come over. Um, mm. And now, I don't think it's established until his second album, but his publishing company is Echnop which is just Prince spelt backwards uh, for this first album. He doesn't have, he doesn't have a publishing company. And then obviously later on, it becomes uh controversy. Music becomes his publishing company. Um, and you know, this song, I mean, <laughs> it just, it really doesn't kind of tell you anything about Prince other than he can, you know, he can, he can keep pitch. Uh, yeah. But before we get into discussing, you know, as much as we possibly can about <laughs> this very <laughs> short song, I was going to ask Aaron, um, how did you get into prince i mean i i in the introduction episode i specifically remember hearing get off being played you know over in the summer of uh, like 91 and and that was the song that kind of hooked me and got me into mm-hmm. prince um mm-hmm. so do you specifically remember when you got into prince or you know is this as there's a case with a, a few of the other upcoming guests has he basically always just been around
1: Um, so I, I'm a child of the eighties. I was born in the early eighties. And so I actually do have like a very visceral memory of my first Prince related, um, experience. And that was, I think, and I was trying to look it up for before recording. Um, I guess it must've been maybe in 89 he toured, um, for his love, sexy tour. And my sister, my oldest sister went to that. And so she was, um, she was in her late teens, I think at the time. And I have, you know, I was about six, and I just have this memory of watching her get ready to go to this concert, and I think she probably went to the Philadelphia one, just just looking at the regions of where he played. Um, and I remember her being dressed like Madonna, like she was really into her Madonna phase, so she had the big floppy bow, and she was sitting in her vanity, and I remember her like handing me her cherry chapstick, because like that was like, the one makeup that I could use. And I remember put, just putting on cherry chapstick, listening to Prince, and like being so jealous that she was this, like, grown-up that was going to go to the show. And so that's my first member. And then from there on, Prince was just always played in our house. My my family loved his music. My mom especially, for some, my mom is a very conservative woman, but for some reason she loves Prince. And her favorite song is Erotic City, which is crazy to me because that song is dirty. <laughs> but, uh, so, yeah, my I just, I remember growing up, Um, very much with him in the household. Talking about Prince and money troubles and stuff, that tour, the the Love Sexy tour, was like Mm -hmm. the most expensive tour that Mm. he'd done
0: to that point. And when he finally finished that tour, he was going to take a break. And then, you know, he record Warner Brothers to try and recoup some money, persuaded him to record the Batman album just to try and get (laughs) some money back off this expensive tour. Uh, and then and then when he toured again in 1990 he called it the nude tour because it was basically just him and the (laughs) band and no other like fancy stuff on stage it was just it was just a simple tour to try and save money basically (laughs) which kind of you know but the fact that prince was being very kind of upfront about it like calling it the nude tour because people would be you know with prince you'd think that was something sexy but it's like no no it's trying to save money basically it's like
1: yeah uh, well for a man of mystery he's always been pretty transparent about like money issues with Like recording music and like his relationship with his recording company and things like that. So yeah, that's pretty funny.
0: Well, let's talk about this song then.
1: I mean, uh, if you if you were to ever to read the lyrics
0: to the song, which you know it's just basically uh, it's like a run on sentence basically. Yeah. And I'll read the entire thing because I think actually there's something interesting being said here, which is Mm. he says all of this and more is for you with love, sincerity, and deepest care. My life with you I share. I'm guessing as a like nineteen year old recording that in, you know, California, I don't think he realized what he was kind of saying. But if you take that as him talking to the fans,
1: mm-hmm. it's almost
0: like him saying, From now on, for the rest of my life, I am mm-hmm. gonna be I'm gonna be a performer for you and I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna share my life with you and, and my life is gonna be my music and, and that's literally what the rest of his life was basically. So Yeah,
1: it sounds like a wedding vow.
0: It like when I bit, listen yes. to
1: it, like even even like the aesthetic of the music sounds like, you know, it's light and airy and it just sounds very lovely. But yeah, the, the words especially, it sounds like I vow like something a groom would say at, you know, at the altar when they're on their wedding day. I
0: mean, you know, should I ever get to the point where I get married? I would be tempted to have this as my. Yeah, you know, that's a
1: great idea because
0: it, it really, you know, um, and also like the title, you know, just kind of goes past when he says this is for you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know he doesn't really kind of hang on it in fact any of these words from this thing could have just been the title um yeah, you know, it, yeah. it just it doesn't none of the, the words for you don't really kind of add anything but i mm-hmm. just i just like the fact that he says my life with you i share which is mm-hmm. you know to to like i don't you know as a 19 year old he probably didn't know what that that was meaning but looking back now mm-hmm. we can see that's what he did you know he yeah he shared you know it's it's of course sung in the, the, the trademark falsetto this is you know um mm-hmm. I've seen a couple of documentaries where Prince has talked about why he sang in falsetto for, for, you know, kind of most of the early part of his career. And it was because if he sang in a lower register, it actually hurt him. His, mm. his, his voice would hurt to sing kind of in his speaking mm-hmm. register, which if you've ever heard Prince interviewed, his speaking register is actually a lot lower than you would expect. Quite low. Yeah. And and so he's singing, you know, this the, the falsetto, which is something that, you know, any any Prince fan will know about. And it's just it's just a, you know, like an a- acapella song uh with with prince playing the kind of the backing vocalist to mm-hmm. once once again prince doing something that he will do in in later years a lot you could imagine prince saying can we get some backing singers to do the other parts <laughs> then coming in doing it and him going now i can do this better i'll do it myself <laughs> yeah, yeah um, totally. and so that's what he does and after he's after he said kind of like all the words he then does this this kind of almost experiment where he's like ping ponging the voices across and if mm-hmm. you're listening to it in stereo you just kind of get the feeling of prince being around you mm-hmm. um and it, you know it's not a substantial song um but mm-hmm. it's just kind of interesting that this is how prince chose to start out by saying you know almost as if to say look this is what i can do it's like you look at me you know, mm-hmm. on the album cover, um, a kind of <laughs> a kind of blurred, <laughs> kind of running away prince, almost like kind of. Yeah. Uh, and and you know he's he's almost saying if you think that that guy is going to be singing, you know, I don't know, like funk or soul or mm-hmm. you know anything that was popular at the time, he's almost mm-hmm. starting this album saying, no, I'm going to be completely different. He's like, mm-hmm. I'm singing, you know, an octave higher than you're going to expect, and I'm going to be doing all the backing vocals, and I'm going to be playing all the instruments, mm-hmm. and and this is kind of not really. Uh, kind of of the era, you know, um, mm-hmm. and I'll speak about this on some of the other tracks because obviously once we start to get instruments <laughs> rather than just <laughs> Prince's voice, kind of, you know, the 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 what the, the kind of the feel of this album, it almost feels like had it been recorded a year earlier, it would have been a very kind of disco record. Mm-hmm. But Prince has kind of avoided that and a lot of the later songs, although they have like, a, some of them have a bit of a disco feel, he never, yeah. it never becomes a disco no. record yeah, at any exactly. point, you know. um. Yeah. And I think, you know, if I were to pigeonhole this into a genre, which I don't think I can do, but Mm -hmm. it feels a little bit like almost the start of a ballad.
1: Yeah, it definitely
0: is a ballad. yeah. And it kind of just feels like Prince, you know, um, basically laying out his stall and and showing off. And that's what a lot of this album is, is basically, is Prince showing off. um, Mm -hmm. But with songs that are not really the best kind of showcase... Mm-hmm. um you know i have no doubt that when he played it live you know with uh, andre and dez and, and, mm-hmm. and bobby Zee, uh, the, the songs probably came alive a lot more but the production mm-hmm. for the rest of this album you know even with this track is very kind of i don't know i, I, I think slathered on would be a kind of way yeah. to describe it yeah like,
1: it's it, super it's, produced yeah
0: yeah and and i think that kind of you know, if you're if you're if you were a teenager, I would love to imagine to be this, if you were say a teenager who was about Prince's age and this wasn't an, you know, you saw Prince's face staring at you in the record store and you decided mm-hmm. to purchase this album. I think it'd be interesting to kind of sit down, put it on and hear this as the opening track and be thinking, What what is this guy doing? Like what is <laughs> what is yeah. this album gonna be about?
1: But it is interesting to think of it in like to think of Prince's long game right? Like we were talking about his whole career and that like, since he made this choice as a, as a 19 year old, how like amazingly like prescient he was about like, like thinking about, I don't know. And that, you know, we obviously know how Prince's career turned out and how much a part of our lives he has been that like, this seemed, it almost seems spooky that his studio career started with this like, very short very sparse very simple but beautiful dedication to all of us and so like it's it's funny to think about it not just like as the album but like this is like the genesis of his entire career yeah and it's interesting because
0: obviously, you know, the front, the, the front album picture has kind of like, you know, like I said, the kind of blurry Prince picture, his eyes are staring at you, but there's kind of, uh, kind of lines as it, as it's, as it's moving away from yeah. you, mm-hmm. um, but on the, on the back or on the inside sleeve, if you know, if you had like the, uh, the vinyl, it's basically a Prince, <laughs> it appears to be naked sitting on, like, a bed with his guitar in front of him. Uh, and, you know, that that big afro that he, you know, he had for these first couple of albums, you know, the moustache, um, you know, which, uh, you know, over the course of his career will become sculpted in various different ways. Um, and there's kind of, like, one prince sitting on the bed, but then there's two kind of, like, ghost princes either side of him in front of this, like, window, which has, like, the background to, like, I don't know, the stars or something and Mm -hmm. looking at that you know that image now like of this 19 year old prince sitting on this bed naked (laughs) with a guitar you're like i guess that's kind of why warner's stuck with him was like clearly this is prince going yeah this is what i want the album to be and this is yeah this is what the picture's going to be it's going to be me i'm naked i'm on the bed i've got a guitar it's like he has a very clear vision of what he wants his career to be even this early in
1: i mean his confidence has always been like extreme and i think that that has gotten him far like i can't imagine being the studio exec or whoever to dare question him whether he's 19 or not like can you imagine like asking prince to explain himself that would never happen so yeah like it's very funny that like even since this first album he's always been like that so i mean you know i i have a feeling that on my itunes
0: i I think i probably gave this like a a four out of five because i think Mm -hmm. it's you know it's it's uh, you know there's some tracks on this album which i in fact this album for me is mostly 3 out of 5 but i just mm-hmm. like yeah. i like the kind of the experimentation and you know like it's an interesting start to mm-hmm. you know to an entire career mm-hmm. uh you know
1: i think the track i think the track as it stands alone i would definitely say a 3 but when you think about it as the starter of the album and then as like I've sort of been thinking about it now that we're talking about the start of his career. I think it's definitely at least a four out of five.
0: Many, many years later, um, Prince recorded a song. Um, I say Prince recorded a song, but if you know the song I'm talking about, um, you know, it's, it's not really Prince. Mm. um it uh, the, the, the track I'm, I'm thinking about is a million dollar show of course the dollar is a dollar sign because mm-hmm. <laughs> by <laughs> prince it took Prince a few years but you know he he's started to kind of incorporate um you know uh symbols and and mm-hmm. kind of text speak into stuff um and um it, this, the song i'm thinking about is a million dollar show which is mostly sung by judith hill and not by prince mm. um and, you know, even though it's written by Prince and, and, and uh, Joshua Welton, who, you know, was his producer for his last two albums, um, and it, it opens up by sampling the beginning of For You and then transitioning that into the opening for Let's Go Crazy and right. you know, and just kind of in nineteen ninety nine, and just kind of sampling the mm-hmm. more well known kind of like intros of Prince's career, uh, yeah. you know, because obviously the the uh, "Don't Worry, I Won't Hurt You" is really well known, and the the you know the Dearly Beloved," obviously those are yeah. really well known intros. But it's interesting that you know, um, on what was essentially his penultimate album, you know, someone thought, well, let's let's go back to the very first track, and yeah, you know, and it also. I mean, you know, knowing that it was his penultimate album, although you know you can argue that Hit and Run Phase One and Two are basically one long double album if you want. Yeah. Essentially, it's his final album, sampling the first track from his first album, and it's it's almost like a bookend to his career. So it's Mm -hmm. uh, you know, obviously that's in hindsight. I don't think Mm -hmm. Prince would have decided to use um, that snippet as if to say this is it, I'm done. You know, and uh, Mm -hmm. and Prince was never going to retire um so i can't imagine him ever i can't imagine him ever recording an album thinking this is my final album
1: this is it right
0: exactly obviously you know if you're a, if you're a fan who's never heard the first album i would hope that you know hearing the sample a million dollar show would be something that would spur you to you know <laughs> look into the kind of the first few prince albums uh, mm-hmm. which i feel are the ones that kind of get overlooked a little bit simply because yeah definitely they're not really you know they're, they're not like the rest of his stuff there's a couple of good singles on each of them but you know the album tracks i feel are a little weaker than than what comes after so
1: well you can see the evolution or you could hear i should say the evolution and i think it's important to know yeah these albums where they come from or whatever but yeah they're not his like meaty stuff later but it, it's it's interesting to hear these knowing what comes later
0: um so i think there's nothing much you know more to say about mm-hmm. um about this this opening track for this first album uh so we'll, i think we should go to plugs have you got anything we should right. plug get in?
1: Um, yeah, I host a podcast called Ladies Who Library, and it is um, all things library-related, but it's pretty accessible for all. We always talk about what we're watching, reading, listening to, and um, you can find us on iTunes or wherever you download podcasts, and also at ladieswholibrary.com. Uh,
0: you can find us on uh, Facebook at Prince Track by Track, or um, we managed to get the Twitter handle Prince Podcast. Uh, nice so (laughs) I'm pretty happy about that (laughs) Uh, or if you wish to email us for any reason I don't know why you would but if you do then we're PrinceTrackByTrack at gmail.com so thanks for being my guest on this first episode Erin yeah
1: thanks I'm so excited about this podcast
0: and uh, otherwise goodbye (laughs)